Like, I don't know. Uh, You're on. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Spoiler Party Book Club. I'm Claire. I'm Micah. And today we're starting our reread of all of the Meg Lingslow holiday mysteries. Absolutely. Starting with... Six Geese a slaying. Yeah. I think it's Six Geese a slaying, actually, to believe the G is on there. Um, uh, I could look at the title, <laughs> but no one has... It is G. It's G. Ha ha. Uh, it's not important. All right. So before we get into the book, um, I have a fun fact to share with you that is seasonally appropriate. All right. For our holiday mysteries, um, which is about poinsettias. Okay. Uh, the person that they're named after, in terms of what we call them in the English language, is named Joel Roberts Poinsett. Um, mm-hmm. And he was a dick. Shock. Slave owner, uh, incredibly unpopular first minister to Mexico, in terms of like with the Mexicans. Right, yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the yeah. Americans loved him. Probs, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so, you know, in Spanish they call it like uh, Noche Buena. Right. Which is basically like Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other names for it as well. And it's actually a, a small shrub. Oh. Not a flower. Not a flower? Yeah. yeah. What if I can get them in Animal Crossing? <laughs> that is the true concern. I mean, I'm not going to grow one in real life. Fair. At least not in our current situation. Yeah. Maybe Add it to the list of plants days. so we can see if we can grow. We can buy a house, yeah, we can buy it out. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's my fun fact for the day, for a given definition of fun, fun. fact. <laughs> fun fact, things are bad. <laughs> Everything you think is lovely actually has something terrible tied to it. Right. Woo! It is called Spoiler Party. We spoil things. This is exactly what, that is the theme of the program, so. Now we're on to the book. I totally don't know how to transition. Transition. Because... Oddly enough, these ones are more uplifting and fun than things that we're going to just like. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, this is pretty much unremitting positivity for these. Uh, We love these books. They're a joy to read. We've been reading them every year for like three, three years. Three years. Three years now. Yeah. Um, And she keeps putting out a new one every year. And so we're like, oh, man, I guess we better just go ahead and read all of them in preparation for the new one coming out. Exactly. Uh. At least we're not rereading the entire series every December. That would be that's uh, challenging. Would be difficult because they. This is now this book coming up is twenty eight. Christmas twenty twenty is going to be twenty eighth. The twenty eighth next length of the books. Are you including the other one that's coming out? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's twenty seven. This is twenty eight. Cool. cool. Yeah. Well, in this book, this Santa like, Claus dies. This is ten. This is number 10. Yeah. She didn't get into the, the Christmas writing spirit until a little bit, a little ways into the series. Yeah. Um, they're by Donna Andrews anyway, by the way. I keep saying she, and I realize I've never actually said Donna Andrews, which seems rude. Six Keys of Slaying by Donna Andrews. Indeed. So we have a holiday parade going on and Santa gets staked in the heart with a holly stake. Indeed. Who dies? Ralph Dolson, a giant asshole pretending to be Santa. Is he pretending to be Santa, or is he actually Santa? He's definitely not actually Santa. I mean, in the purposes of the parade. In the parade, so this town has a parade going on, and Meg Langsley Langs- gets ra- uh, wrapped into uh, being in charge of the parade, 
as a favor to the town council to help hopefully help her husband get tenure at the college um and so she is now in charge of the parade because our heroine in all of these sort of um books has to get wrapped into something over not over her head because she's very capable of doing this well that's the whole thing she gets 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 caught up in like organizing everything because she's the only like competent person around yeah there's a town Eh, not quite there's there's some other competent people around but but they are smarter than she is (laughs) mom never has to do this stuff you just see minerva's competent what is she doing not involved you know she's keeping the choir going exactly i'm just saying but meg gets stuck in this situation so um but it's fine because right before the parade starts there's a murder and she has to solve it um so even though the guy that gets killed is a giant jerk uh who only volunteers to be santa some sort of like i guess like some sort of power play i don't know uh prestige of being the santa Santa, in a small town's annual christmas parade Mm -hmm. uh so even though he's a, he's a jerk, she's really concerned about trying to solve it because, uh, well, one, whoever killed him was enough of a jerk to do it at the Christmas parade, which is, exactly. you know. In a place where children could have found a dead... And in fact... Children, in fact, did, did find, find his dead, dead body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where her righteous indignation comes from and her pursuit to solve the case. And also some people that she likes um, are under suspicion, so... That brings an extra edge. Exactly. So. And it's gonna ruin Christmas if there's, gonna ruin Christmas. there's a murder on the loose or what have you. So we have to we have to solve the case. All right. So we've gone over the victim, who's Ralph Dolson, who is a, he runs what used to be a hot sheets motel, and is now a cheap apartment complex. This is gonna co- this comes into play in multiple other books. Um, the cheap apartment complex is a, a feature of the town of Carfilly, which is where the majority of this series takes place um, due to a chronic housing shortage in the area. So, and the owner is known as a miserable piece of work throughout many of these books. Um, he also happens to own uh, a storage facility on site as well, which he charges exorbitant rates and only for a year at a time. You can't do month to month with him because he's a jerk. Because he's a jerk. Everything about he's a blackmailer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything about this dude is awful. Um, he is also happens to be in the whole Midlingslow series, our first recurring character to die. Um, to be actually to be either a murderer or a murder victim. Yeah, like I don't you're think right. I don't think any of the recurring characters. I mean, like he's anyone. recurring in a sense, but he's never really a character he's okay. more just like this is the first time this is the first time he's a character that's fair but he is brought up multiple times okay, okay. yeah 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 because, because, the, because the place sucks yeah the own, and the owner yeah. is bad yeah and it's a terrible apartment complex that people only live in because there's a bad a housing shortage and extreme yeah. housing shortage yes so yeah all right so who done it who done it well you want to talk about who might have done it first or who yeah, did, let's get yeah, did let's go it. through let's go through our suspects so we got Jorge Soto, who is um, like one of the most important employees at Meg's brother's uh, game design business. Right. Like game developer studio. Computer develop game. Wow. You sound like Donna Andrews explaining game <laughs> development now. <laughs> he runs. 
a game. He's a game developer. He's, he's a game a developer at a studio. Yes. Where they develop games. Correct. Yes. Hit games like Lawyers from Hell and Lawyers from Hell Two, and a complete suite of games. Doctors from Hell, Officers from Hell, Veterinarians from Hell, Veterinarians from Hell. There's a whole <laughs> list of these games. Uh, beautiful. But uh, he he. Uh, Ralph Dolson tried to blackmail him for being undocumented. Uh, I feel like it wasn't quite as um, strongly known in general like parlance that it's not cool to call people illegal when this book was written. I'm not I, trying to give Donna Andrews excuses, but like right. I'm not gonna like throw her out for that one. Right. Um, it's handled respectfully. The wording choice is just It is poor. an unfortunate wording choice. Yeah. Voice, correct. Yeah. Um, um, but he's not actually undocumented. Uh, he just volunteers at a center to help people who need, like, help um, translating bureaucracy stuff to, like, right. their visas and stuff help like that. Help people who might actually be undocumented um, or who have uncertain statuses uh, work their way through the system. Yeah. That's what he does in his volunteer time. And so... Um, he doesn't want to jeopardize any of them. He doesn't want to jeopardize his green card either. Correct. Because if, cause ICE, ICE is terrible. ICE, ICE is terrible, and Donna uh, Andrews recognizes that, apparently. Right. <laughs> ICE is fucking trash. And so... Um, I wonder if he's if he so much accused, so much as accused of right. like associating with some other undocumented people that his green card will be revoked. Correct. Which happens, by the yeah. way, in real life. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, that one not resolved to my satisfaction. This is the one that wasn't resolved to my satisfaction because, like, he's cleared or whatever. But the last thing we see of him is her being like, "He must be the murderer." Yeah, he never really comes back around and gets to have and a warm and fuzzy moment. Right, and then he's just gone. He's just gone. Yeah, he just he like like as soon as he leaves the room, that's when Eric shows up, and then that's when the murderer shows up and reveals himself, and it's like, oh well, dang, uh, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. it. No justice for Jorge or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Um, so we got Norris Pruitt. Uh, Norris Pruitt is a kleptomaniac. Absolutely. And a fucking good thief. Like Apparently. a solid, like real sticky fingers. He was able to steal Meg's phone without her knowing it and not even trying. He was just sitting there on a box and somehow lifted her phone from her how, pocket. How does Meg not know what any of her electronics look like? Her phone, her camera. Oh like, my goodness. These shits just keep getting mixed up with other ones. And she's right. like, he hands her... He hands her her phone, and she thinks it's his phone. And she's like, well, this looks a lot like my phone. Right. Guess that makes it easier to use. I'm like, Meg, it's your phone. It's your Yeah. She's like, well, no wonder it was so familiar in my hand. It was my <laughs> phone. Right. But Norris Pruitt is also um, an animal lover. Big animal fan. Yeah. He's the good Pruitt. Yeah. The Pruitts are generally, like, corrupt and terrible. And mm-hmm. The whole lineage point, is bad. Running this small town. Correct. In a corrupt fashion. Mm-hmm. But Norris Pruitt just wants to take care of the animals and right. steal everybody's baubles, but not out of any like mean thing. He's just he compulsively just, he's compulsively a thief. But also, and this is one I really identify with because I've done this in my life before. Just pick things up and fiddle with them, he and then you picks walk away. things up, and then he walks away. <laughs> and he is not in this moment stealing an item. He is walking with an item that does not belong to him. And by the time you realize it. You have a restaurant's cup in, like, in your hand. Or a sauce dippy thing. From or sauce dipping things from restaurants. I did want still a um, like little rubber ball from my grocery store because 
I thought it belonged to somebody I was with, so I just kept bouncing it, and then I just mm. bounced it right out of the store. So that's similar. Yeah. Who who among us has never accidentally stolen something <laughs> in, a, in a fashion like that? Right. Norris took it to a new level, though. He had a whole bleeping storage shed full of stolen stuff. Yeah, once you get a storage shed full, you know. Which I thought is But hilarious. he's being blackmailed because he's, he's a thief. Steal stuff. Right. <laughs> Uh, and that leads to Caroline Wilner and Clarence Rutledge, mm-hmm. who are friends of his, because they also love animals. True. And they're trying to help him by breaking into the storage uh, unit that Ralph Dolson is holding hostage mm-hmm. to return the items so he can no longer be blackmailed. Correct. Uh, Caroline Wilner runs a wildlife animal Sanctu- rescue mm-hmm. sanctuary, and Clarence Rutledge is a biker veterinarian. Right. He has tattoos of ferrets on his arm correct he's great he's a he is a, he's a he is a both recur- recurring character this is our delightful. this is our, this is the first time caroline wilner shows up in person yes this is caroline wilner's first her name is mentioned in an earlier book um it actually oh her name is mentioned the first i don't know if it's her last name is mentioned the first time clarence shows up in the wilner wildlife sanctuary yes of fucking course the dryer is done. We can see if the we can edit that out. But if not, guess what? That was our dryer finishing. Yeah, I'm not editing that out. You <laughs> said you wanted it quick and dirty. Fair. Um, yeah. But as you can tell by the fact that they're all very nice people. Mm-hmm. And this is a delightful, cozy, wonderful book. This is a Christmas book uh, full of the spirit. Of, well, not really full of the spirit of Christmas. It's whatever. And honestly, I don't mind that these books are a little bit on the predictable side. Because they're just about hijinks and warm and fuzziness. Yeah. And it turns out that the murderer is... Ainsley Wurzel, because his name is Ainsley Wurzel. Right. I knew he was the murderer the first time I read the book, because his name was Ainsley, Ainsley Wurzel. So, like, like oh, look, a murderer's name. <laughs> and then he proceeds to just be, I believe the phrase is, officious jerk. He is a jerk in every particular possible way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, literally, like, legitimately, in, like, every way possible, this man shows his ass. Mm. Uh over and over and over again. Um, it is not always the case that the person who is this terrible is the murderer in these books. Right. Sometimes there's a red herring where someone's like a terrible person and it turns out they're just a terrible person, not a murderer. It's sometimes they're a terrible person who has to run who has to run from the law in various <laughs> other ways, as we'll see in a future Christmas book. Dun, dun, dun. But no, this one is a um he's just he is the murderer and a bad person. Also a bad person. So he is a journalist. And I think the the one incident that like it's not the worst thing he does, obviously, because he like commits murder and shit. But like the one thing that kind of like, I feel like really encapsulates his whole personality and the way that it just makes you like, is the bit where he puts, um, sends an article to press or whatever, um, in which he says that um, he asked like the town council council why they went ahead with the parade even though Ralph Olson had been murdered and why they didn't like stop it out of a show of respect or something. The town council was like totally passed the buck on was like oh i guess that would have been the parade organizer's choice the parade organizer is of course meg and then he goes in the article meg langzo could not be reached for comment but he never actually tried to get a comment and he he was and he stayed in her house over she offered him a room in her house the road was blocked and so he'd actually stayed in her house the night before Mm -hmm. so he wouldn't freeze to death right fed him like fed him gave him shelter all this stuff or whatever uh, let him borrow her. Let him borrow her camera to take photos because his photographer had gotten lost because his photographer was given the wrong instructions by Warzel. Um, all these things, 
and he still does that kind of thing to the Could press. Could be reached for comment. Yes, when he was literally in her house. Uh, so, yeah, bad times. Bad times. But um. And he kicked Spike. He did kick Spike. Spike is a a, a a little terror of dog, but did not deserve to be kicked. Correct. Wait, did he kick Spike as well? Yeah, in the elevator. Oh, right. When, after he knocks Rob out. Poor Spike. Spike gets kicked a couple of times in this book. Twice in this book, yeah. This is, uh, Spike is Spike is assaulted, uh, I think, three or four times throughout the course of the entire series. He's rarely ever assaulted. Right. Two twice times in this, in this book. book. <laughs> and then once in the fairgrounds. Mm. Um uh, at the at the Ren Fair or whatever. Yeah. Not the Ren, you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah, once um, uh, Meg finds his camera that he lost, and finally realizes that he was the murderer. Mm-hmm. Hijinks ensue, as he attempts to like kidnap her and her brother Rob and set them up to like be burned to death and frame. Yeah, his goal is to burn them to death. And frame Norris Pruitt. And then frame Norris Pruitt for murdering them both, for murdering Meg, Rob, and burning them down with all of the, uh, with various bits of blackmail information. Yes. Um, Luckily, we're saved by the combined hijinks of Meg's uh, father, grandfather, uh, Caroline Wilner, and a variety of barnyard animals. Correct. Correct. (laughs) This is, and this is really like the the joy of the book and the joy of a lot of these books is like um like these books are not a murder mystery series of books where um the detective uh sits everybody in the room and then explains how the murder went uh, don't get me wrong i love those i i also love those this is of the genre of the person solves the murder and as soon as they solve the murder the murderer then shows up to reveal themselves <laughs> with a gun and with a gun in hand just so we don't to have to them. worry about any pesky like how are we going to prove this in court uh, yes oh absolutely <laughs> yeah they, we, we just get rid of all of that by making the murderer show up gun in hand um uh and then telling them the the reason which we already found out but telling them the full reason the, the complete backstory mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. as to why they murdered how they murdered the technique and so forth used how they're planning and then to how they're going to murder they're going to get away with it how they're going to murder meg often um uh, what have you uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah but we have uh first llama Ernest spits him in the face yeah so we can talk about some of our favorite recurring characters who show up first llama uh Ernest is the first llama that is owned by Meg Meg didn't realize for Michael that it, he was going to be the first llama she thought he was going to be the only llama correct turns out but llamas get lonely llamas get lonely it's not fair to Ernest to only be by himself, so we will get more llamas. In the I future. feel like they should get some alpacas too. I agree. Llamas and alpacas play well together. They do. And alpacas have very soft fur. They have extremely soft fur. And it's llamas help alpacas um, by being more aggressive than them. Correct. Also, donkeys. Donkeys. There is already a donkey in this one. Cousin. Cousin help. the donkey. Cousin the donkey. This is the only appearance because cousin's a jackass. Huh. No, no. <laughs> I do not deserve that. Um, but. Actually, like, patrol donkeys are a thing. That's, that's for, true. They are a thing. For llamas. Shouts I mean, to, for alpacas. Yeah. They can keep them safe. They can't keep them safe. I'm like, I don't know, wolves and shit. Shouts to Apple Hill. Apple Hill Farm. 
Mm-hmm. Where, we, you, where we do not farm apples. Yeah, I don't think they even have apples. They don't. But it's on we the website. If you go to the website, big font. No apples. We do not. We do not farm apples. Yes. Yes. They have alpacas and yeah, alpacas, uh, llamas, and llamas, and a couple of donkeys. And like, a cute alpaca toy who guard, watches over us as we record donkeys. our podcast. Yes, my little alpaca with a very soft fur. That's very great. nice alpaca. So, but yeah, we have first first llama Ernest and cousin the donkey, mm-hmm. named after a particular uh, cousin, but since renamed to just cousin, so as to uh, continue family harmony to some Correct. degree. Yeah, we don't want to like you know cause strife. Been we, been there. Yeah, yeah. All right, who who else shows up in this book? I mean, this is the first book where the Shifleys really start being um, characters, mm-hmm. um, particularly Randall. Randall Shifley, thank you. No problem. That was going to just go right out my head. It happens. Because um, previously the Shifleys had definitely been mentioned, but mm-hmm. more just as like the clan and as the people who run the construction company. Honestly, the Pru is similarly as well. Yeah. You start, they start actually being like individual characters more so. Right. Um, which is used to great effect in later books. In, indeed. Um, so that's a fairly notable recurring character that shows up here. Um, I do love Minerva's bits in this book. Minerva Burke, she's the wife of the, the police chief slash sheriff. Um, uh, assistant sheriff uh, ass- assistant sheriff chief burke chief burke <laughs> Act, um, acting sheriff oh, who cares he he does all the sheriff stuff the actual sheriff sits on his farm and post up being like 87 in his, like, years 90s old or something. Yeah, he's, yeah, I he's, yeah i think he's in his he's 90s like 94 or something one thing that's amazing about this book series is the way they age characters where <laughs> some characters age almost in real time like the twins are aging rapidly yeah, like the children basically age in um, more or less real or time not in this book but like eric uh, yeah. uh, the other the other Burke kid. Uh, so the Burke grandchild Cal. that is in Cal, he ages normally. Um, Eric ages normally. Uh, her other um, her her sister's other children age at a, at about a pace. She ages slightly over the over the series. Slightly, yeah. Slightly, yeah. She is like three years older, like fifteen <laughs> years into it. Her she and goes from both. like mid thirties to early forties. Right. Yeah. I think over the course of the book, <laughs> over it feels like over the course like. of like fifteen, twenty years or whatever. Yeah. Um, but mom and dad don't age. Grandpa doesn't age. Uh, anybody that you might have to worry about. Anyone like, that's gonna hit any sort of like uh, age plateau that you're worried about, and even in the slightest. Don't worry, they don't actually age. And I, I for one, appreciate that Oh, shit. for real, for like, real. Like, like I, I feel like Grandpa might die eventually. Yeah. And, like, and it's fine. I think however old. it's done, Donna Andrews will handle it. Um, Appropriately. Yes. But, like, I, I just personally am cool with not having to, like, deal with, like, relative time, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not Tommy and Tuppence. It's also fun because um, technology also changes over the course of the books. And technology changes to be basically whatever technology is at the point that Donna Andrews is writing the book. Yes. But doesn't actually necessarily make sense in terms of like how much time has passed in universe. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It goes from like she has a flip phone like well into the series. She doesn't even have a cell phone in the first book. Right. She has to borrow somebody else's. She has to borrow cell phones in the first book. Uh, she moves on to getting a flip phone at some point. In this in this uh, book, actually, I think might be the first one where um, Rob has his iPhone. Rob's, I think Rob's iPhone is like makes an early appearance here. Yeah. Um, beloved iPhone. Shows up. <laughs> but, yeah, but like the technology stays current, more or less. Man, cell phone signal 
in the country is another recurring uh, character. Yes. Um, and is also real as hell. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> man, yeah. I don't miss it. <laughs> like, I don't miss the times where cell phone reception was more uh, sketch. Um, so, um, on the topic of Minerva, my, my favorite Minerva bit in this book is when Ainsley Wurzel is questioning having a african-american wise man he's like did they even have an african-american wise man back then minerva book is like reads basically reads the right act on like the slave trade um and it was like uh but there is a tradition of having one of the wise men balthazar be african and minerva puts in just african no hyphen required <laughs> it is very good just no hyphen required it just it's, makes me happy it's, it's a good it's a good, good line it's very good uh, did they even have african-american spectrum no, no dog america didn't bleep and exist <laughs> homie like, what are you talking about she also says like before uh columbus discovered what the uh indians already right. had or something along those lines right. Yeah, it's just like, it's good. It's Minerva here setting the record straight. And I cannot let this book go by without mentioning my appreciation for Meg's uh, rebuttal about uh, the complaint that the town doesn't have enough snow plows. And he's like, what is this hick town with no snow plows and not enough whatever? And she's like, it's Virginia. <laughs> right. We don't get enough big snows to have a whole bunch of snow plows just rusting away. Doesn't make sense. Also, A, do you know how expensive a snowplow is? Right. B, do you know how difficult it actually is to plow the snow in rural areas when the snow is also continuously falling? It is yeah. actually a challenge right. to do that because these roads are these roads are small and narrow and winding and they're not typically um, trafficked heavily. Like This is whatever. One part, growing up up north, this is the one thing I know about plowing snow is that a big help and keeping the snow down is having multiple cars on the road packing yeah, it back packing down into ice, whatever, as after the snow plows have come through and they come through multiple times. But that's what you can do when people are driving out in the snow a lot, as right. opposed to being in a rural area where that's just right. not going to happen. Right. Which is satisfying because, as a southerner who is incredibly tired of northerners coming down here, because Charlotte gets a lot of transplants. Wow, y'all shut down whenever it even has a bit of a flurry. Yeah, because we don't get much snow. So yeah, we don't have a lot of salt trucks. Yeah, we don't have a ton of snow plows. Yeah, nobody has snow tires or snow chains because it wouldn't make bleeding sense. It makes more sense for us to just shut down like one or two days a year, maybe, maybe. rather than spend thousands it's, it's and thousands It's thousands. typically one day every three years. Right, um, right. When we get like an actual snowstorm that comes through. Right. Yeah. So like chill just just relax homie like we just get enjoy it. the day off hey go back to fucking new york if you don't if mind. you care so much go, right yeah if you want to if you want a place that has actual snow plows go freeze to death in michigan all right like leave yeah. us alone enjoy yourself right yeah. anyway I'm with, I'm with you it is kind of funny though because then uh they proceed to have just like giant snow every year, every December, every, every, every Christmas. It is Somehow. just, they get, and it's like, not just regular ones, like snowed in snowstorms when they talk about how rare and every year, Oh, rare early snow this year. It's like, nah, car Philly is a hot spot for bad activity. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. Um, all right. Are there any other like fun bits that just book really sings out to you? I mean, the book has a lot of fun bits. Um, the very end is, I think it, it wraps up very satisfactorily mm. with uh, 
Meg's uh, d- dad and granddad and I don't know I think Clarence I don't know one of them Caroline um, and Caroline it's it's dad granddad and Caroline in a barn with a wooden leg no with it with a plaster cow's hoof yeah yeah the bit where they like save them and stuff that's fun but I'm talking oh, about the very end when they go running around thinking that there's sleigh bells in the air because they're going to try to plant like, oh right yes hoof, hoof prints and sleigh tracks to like have a bit of fun for the children in the mm-hmm. in the in the town um but then randall 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 shifley yeah, yeah he's with them that's who it was um but uh it's basically implied that meg's mom does something to get them out of there so that uh meg and uh and her hubby can hubby god ugh. why did i say that i gross. don't i don't know gross. <laughs> that was gross, gross. <laughs> why did i just forget her husband's name edit that out michael michael thank you Meg and Michael yeah. can go bed down in the stable. Correct. Because they're stuck in town rather Absolutely. than out of their house. Um, and she like magically fills up their stockings and it's very cute. And it's very cute, but I, I feel like, and maybe you don't get this feel from it, but I feel like it's kind of heavily implied that like they're about to go get down and make some babies. It's not some just heavily babies. implied. Like, so I need to do we, the math and figure out this is, this is literally when the twins are conceived. Mm. We know that Meg and Michael fuck. Well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, obviously, the twins ex- exist. No, no but yeah, it's like, also like, like it referenced. Is, like, it is referenced multiple. Like, this yeah. is a couple. There are no sex scenes, but it's not. No. She's also yeah. not, like, super. She's not a celibate. Uh, right. Whatever. The, These aren't prudes or what have you. Yes. In fact, in fact, in a number of books, it is a joke that they are trying to fuck or whatever, or like to, like, at least engage in a bit of marital activities, but cannot due to ha- her having to solve them. Not because she's out there, but like. Kind of like how Meg can never sleep either. Right. Meg can't sleep because there's always hijinks. It's actually. So, what I do like about the series as a whole is that Meg's murder solving doesn't actually interfere with her life. Like, in terms of, like, well, it, it does, but it, but it doesn't interfere. Like, so it's not like Michael is like, oh, I wanted to, um, like, go watch a movie with you, but instead you're solving this murder. Uh, usually it's other busy things that are happening that are interfering with their ability to, like, do normal activities because <laughs> their life is their life is not normal activity life. He's an actor uh, and a professor. Uh, she's a blacksmith and a solver of all problems. <laughs> um, we did get one shout out to her blacksmithing as she makes she made gifts for people. Yes. She went to then use the weapon. Yes. Uh, Some set of like fireplace pokers and right, stuff. Right. Right. Um, but like she gets to go solve because like uh, I feel like, like we saw it in that one Hallmark movie which everyone were like the dude was upset because the woman like tuned him completely the fuck out because she had to start solving a murder. Yeah, she that was, was obnoxious. In, yeah, she was in murder solving mode. She just turned into like murder solving a robot on the computer over there or whatever, uh-huh. right? But like that, that definitely that's not what happens here. But they get they fall in, they do fall into hijinks where like there's there's one of them where they're just trying to find a moment alone and then like things keep popping up around them and I think it's so fun and cute, whatever. But yes, I think mom was intentionally oh mom was setting like, the mood because she wants grandchildren. Let me get some grandbabies. Well. No, she has. She has a lot of grandchildren. Actually, she wants Meg's grandchildren. Yes, because she wants new ones, fresh grand- babies. Grandparents are never bleep and satiated. Yeah, yeah. That's why you don't ever start. Yeah, you can't be like, oh, we'll just pop one out and they'll be happy. No, no, Mm-mm. they always want more. Mm-mm. Her sister's kids. Some she of them like are like seven adults. children or something. Yeah, and only Eric gets to stay. Only Eric gets to stay here and not go to Australia for Christmas because he gets he gets plane sick. It's like super uber plane sick. Mm-hmm. 
still seems a little depressing. Which is a which is, is a long ass drive. Yeah, they've, they've they've had to have come here. The Australian family has to have come over. Because like Donna, otherwise. bring us the Australians. <gasps> bring us the Australian family. Bring us the Australians. Bring us the Australian families. Okay, this might be what really breaks me and makes me send her some fan mail. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I've been meaning to send her some fan mail forever just because I've gotten so much joy out of these books. But like, right. bring the bring, bring the, Australian the Australian family. <laughs> All right. So okay. So with that, we hit thirty. Yeah, um, yeah. Whatever, almost right on the dot. No, whatever. But like, well, we how do you feel about the format? The format, I think the format's good. Okay, we can work out some kinks. We can tweak it. We can Making tweak it, but a little more efficient. Little use of space and time. A little better at storytelling. I think. What you have know, you? you know. But I think for our first effort. Huh. <laughs> Not that we periodically try to revamp our podcast in progress. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, whatever. Life is life, especially look, this year. When you subscribe to our Patreon feed, we'll give you ac- <laughs> we'll give you access to the previous six boots of this reboot pod, the podcast that we are currently rebooting. Absolutely. So. So join us next time for Duck the Halls, the second Meglingslo Christmas Christmas mystery. mystery. I said holiday mystery before, but really, let's let's be real. It's, it's right. Christmas music. Oh, speaking of the gimmick, my favorite gimmick. Or my favorite little thing joke in this book was her delaying of sending out Christmas cards by saying <laughs> they're holiday cards. They're holiday cards. Christmas is a holiday. New Year's New is, is a holiday. holiday. Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day is a holiday. holiday. Hell, St. Patrick's Day is a holiday. <laughs> That's it. 